Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlows, and I'm Karen Sarlow. I'm Kelly Sarlow. Welcome. What are we doing? I just thought this morning we would just do one about treatments and um, be random and just throw out there if I remember one about yours or you remember one about mine. Just get excited for each other again? It, yep. Yeah, and okay. that just for people to kind of see the different things that we do, but also learn mm-hmm. um, and share some of the stories because I think people's stories are just bloody well fantastic. Okay, I've got one. Okay. <laughs> hey, we can go back and forth. Sure. Um, and I'll also, I guess, say, like, feel free to ask questions. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Um, one of my favorites was uh, a young woman who had come to see me a couple times, and she was struggling with her relationship with her significant other. Um, and I guess their relationship had ended for had been had sorry had in, had ended for a while. Um, and she was really struggling with not dating and not being able to date well when she was in relationships. So you mean they had actually broken up? Yes. Okay. It had ended. Um, and she was just really upset with not feeling comfortable being in relationships, but knowing that she was not happy when it was over, she just wanted to figure it out and kind of, um, get better at this and be a better partner, Mm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. And so... Um, she's a really great client in the sense that, uh, she's open to all the different modalities. So the, the messages can come through in any one of the senses and any one of the methods of delivery. Right. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was, um, <clears throat> when she left it open, I started, uh, remote viewing her childhood home, which is really cool. And her parents are still in it and pardon me. So I would open the front door and I looked down and I remembered seeing really small shoes on my feet. Pardon me. And, you know, I don't know what's going on at this point, so I'm just kind of going with it. And I am walking down the hall into the dining room. I sit down at the dining room table and I can see where her mom sits. I can see where her dad sits and her siblings. And I can hear the type of conversation that's happening, so the volume and the mm-hmm. like, the kind of cacophony that's happening mm-hmm. um, of, of sounds, not the actual conversation. And I remember feeling all these different emotions, thinking like I didn't want to be here and I felt really small and then I thought maybe that's why my shoes look small. Um, and I remember getting back up and being like excused from the table and putting my shoes at the front door and again thinking about how tiny they looked. And everything started to come together and I said, um, your insecurities come out as soon as you go back into your, your home, like your childhood home, where you're back with your parents. And you especially feel small when you're sitting back at the dining room table uh, because that's where a lot of the criticism happened in your in your life. And she said, yes, that was accurate. So it's like when she steps back into her house, this, um, I'll say, vision that I, I'm watching her go through as a young, a young girl is she still feels that age emotionally and physically. She still feels like this little, you know, seven-year-old who has been belittled and who has not been encouraged um, and has just critiqued over and over again, but not constructively, right? Um, So a lot of what she was going through in her current relationships or lack of uh, was her trying to understand her emotional maturity, trying to understand why she didn't feel... Um, Like she had the right tools and the right strength to keep moving forward on her own until she found a partner. Uh, And it was just really neat that she kind of came back to that trigger moment or that place that does trigger all of those feelings in her. Uh, So that was that was really neat. And she just said it's exactly how she feels when she goes home. She feels six years old and it's like a rush to get out of there. 
I wonder if she can take that now into other relationships mm-hmm. and other dining room tables that mm-hmm. can be with the, her new partners and that it might not be that the family home, but that it might still get triggered in her at the coffee Mm-hmm. in the coffee room at work, yeah. the coffee table there. And I, I'm saying table, but I just mean different environments where she's projecting that yeah. into different situations. Now, I like the fact that you used the word trigger mm-hmm. and that one of the things that you and I get to do is to help people, not like psychiatrists, um, but with our own gifts, be able to time travel and help people find their triggers. Mm-hmm. We don't do it through years of therapy. We don't, I, I'm certainly not skilled to. No, it's kind of a get it done. It's, it's get it done in 30 seconds or, or I'll say six, 30 minutes or yeah. 60 minutes or less. Because one of the other things that you and I do is that we don't drag our clients along for years. Um, and not saying that other fields shouldn't, they're just doing their jobs but that our job is to be able to find the trigger uh, and identify that and help them heal energetically with it, Mm -hmm. which has a different purpose than, than um, therapy or other modalities Mm -hmm. of, of healing. That's cool. Yeah, it was neat. And I mean, long story short, there was a long conversation after that um, regarding how she views herself because of these moments and what like the certain tools that she can implement now in different situations, like you were saying at different dining room tables or with different people who sit around a table with her, um, so that she can feel her age so that she can feel her own maturity and her, Mm. her own power so that, uh, she can also visualize. And I thought this was neat. She can visualize and look down and see whether or not, or decide whether or not she believes she's wearing her schoolgirl shoes mm-hmm. or her big girl shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and all. That's when, good. yeah, so it, it's kind of that visual to go, oh, okay, I've reverted, or okay, I'm standing in, on my own two feet. You well, know? you're talking about how, that maturity level of having perspective mm-hmm. and being able to view your own experiences outside of the, your own experience so that you can you can judge it differently Mm -hmm. through adult eyes instead of the child's eyes. Yeah. And maybe in this is probably exactly what you're saying is, um, when she has that visualization, if she sees the schoolgirl's shoes, Mm -hmm. the point isn't to drag herself back into guilt or shame Mm -hmm. about having them back on. Mm -hmm. Um, but to simply just be an observer where she can go up, shoot, (laughs) put those back on. How do I, how do I come out of it now? Kelly, you know, I, I refer to ref, uh, that I named my ego Abby mm-hmm. and, and that I, I gave my ego a name. Your good girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. My good girl side of my ego. Uh, I named her Abby so that I could see every time I was doing, I was people pleasing mm-hmm. and my people pleasing, you know, my trigger moments came um, in my home life with parents, but also came in a school life as being a, the, a good girl from kindergarten actually in my kindergarten report card where my teacher wrote down uh, that Karen Ann is a good girl and that all the troubled children in the class are put at her table because she calms them down and so at five years old (laughs) I'm being told already how to be a good girl and that's by calming down people who've got problems (laughs) oh Mm, talk about putting the knife right in the five-year-old's back (laughs) But anyway, uh, just the whole idea of actually being able to name a piece, a a part of yourself. And I chose Abby randomly. It just came to me. 
uh, so that I could identify when she was the one doing the people pleasing and wasn't allowing the mature woman in me, Karen, Karen, to be able to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the other little girl aspect of me, I call Karen Ann because that's my real full name, Karen Ann. Um, Why'd you put in quotations? Oh, sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Me because I want to put her someplace. Yeah. (laughs) But that they don't have control over my behavior. They have they have a space to hold. They have pain. Mm-hmm. They have uh, belief systems. They have fears that might want to control my behaviors. But that the adult in me can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down. Um, you're having a temper tantrum. You're you're people pleasing, or you're having a temper tantrum, swinging it the opposite way. Just I want, I want, and I'm going to get what I want." Um, it's okay if I come out the other end and go, mm, no, not good behavior. It's okay for me to sit here, look at that, and make a rational, calm decision with maturity, mm-hmm. uh, with full awareness, full perspective of everybody, not including not just my own, but other people's as well. Um, so I just like the way that you, I guess I saw a segue there into being able to help people identify it, give it a name when she sees her shoes. Mm-hmm. That if she's able somehow to, like you say, you're looking for a way to give her a tool to identify a part of her that was taught certain behaviors. Yeah. And and people need those tools because you can point things out, but if you don't give them the tool... Nothing's changing. N- no, nothing changes. They're now mm-hmm. aware of their behavior. I know I'm a son of a bitch, <laughs> but I'm still a son of a bitch. And I'm going to be tomorrow and this afternoon and probably in five minutes. <laughs> they don't change the behavior. They're aware of it. And that doesn't mean they're emotionally mature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, my turn? Sure. Or were you... I don't no, wanna... that was just one example. You said, let's talk yeah. about a treatment. That was the first one that popped into my head, so... Okay. So I'm to think about one of my treatments. Um, I remember seeing a gentleman um, who I told him he had prostate cancer. No, he would have prostate cancer in five years. Mm-hmm. And as a medical intuitive, one of the scariest things you tell people is cancer. Um, One of the scariest things you do is you tell a man something because you're a female and I can't feel it in my body as a medical intuitive because I don't have a prostate. Good point. So as a medical intuitive, eh, strike two (laughs) Um, or, or, you know, two points for being uncomfortable. I don't have an MRI, so... I can't, there's no way for me to affirm anything. And it's five years. So something else that was hard is that I have to be able to say something to somebody that they have to wait five years to affirm. Now, some people might say, well, then I would never see a medical intuitive because I wouldn't want to know that. Well, first of all, I have to say that he gave me permission and he invited that. He wanted to know about his future health and he wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. And his next question after being told he'd have prostate cancer in five years, I just remember he's in, uh, he's a background in psychology. And he said to me, well then, um, if that's accurate and assuming that it is, what can I do about it? And I just freaking love that client because it was somebody that was taking a mature way of saying, of seeing something. He could have walked out and said, I don't believe in psychics. That just put me over the end or over the edge. I'm done. Not going to one ever again. Medical intuitive, schmoodive. That's what. Oh my god. 
Well, I just That's why you come though, right? That's why you want that information is to say, okay, if this is going to happen, what can I do about it? Yeah, but not everybody. And that's why I'm saying he's a standout client because what I guess I'm, I know you already know this, Kelly. It's just for the sake of saying this over a podcast, right? That there are the clients that come that want to be told only what they like versus the clients or want to believe so if I say you're going to get married and he's going to be a beautiful man and you will have all the children you want, all the money you want, then there's that client that says, oh, she's a good, good, good intuitive. And then there are those that come in and hear very hard things, walk out and do their work. And he went on, he asked the question, what could he do about it? And he was told to go back to his first wife. I can't remember if he was on his second or third wife. Uh, And I don't mean on, but I just mean experiencing another partnership, which is totally great and healthy. And I said, there are issues with your first wife and there's anger and you're holding it in the prostate. And he said, well, that would be very true about there being issues of anger with my first wife. And he said, okay, is that what the spirit world is telling me that I need to get through that experience? And I said, yeah. He says, can you tell me if I'm supposed to live through it or die with it? And I said, well, the spirit guides are saying that you'll live, you'll live through it. You're not going to die of the prostate cancer. So maybe hearing that right there, he doesn't have to go see his first wife. He can kind of shimmy around some of these things Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you're an avoider. And uh, you don't think the universe is really watching you too closely. And um, that he can squeak out, you know, some things he doesn't have to do. No, that like that's not who he is. So anyway, five five years later, no, I, and I I should say too that he did come back like I'd say about once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but five years later, he came back and he said, "Well, and at this point, I have forgotten this. I have forgotten. I've told him cancer. I've forgotten it's prostate or whatever." And he came back and said, "Karen, um, I have prostate cancer." And I said, oh, okay. And he says, yeah, but you told me this. You said this was going to happen. I went back. I worked with my wife. Now can you help me get through it? Now when I say yes, as an energy healer, in, as, an, as a medical intuitive, it's, it's beautiful that somebody's asking me to be part of that journey. But he still did his radiation. And there were some funny, really cool stories about the radiation treatments. I said to him at the very beginning, you're not going to have to do 10. And I've never had this. I don't even know if you have to have 10. What? I just think it's really cute that you had to clarify that you haven't had prostate cancer treatment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I figured that. But go ahead. True. That is funny. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, he said, uh, he asked me to help him through it. And I said, well, I said, they're telling me that you're not going to have full treatments. They're going to tell you how many would be a full course, which I don't know what it is. And, or if there's a standard amount even. And I said, but after, I think, can't remember Kelly exactly now, if it was six treatments or five, I can't remember the number, but I said, there's going to be a conversation. You're going to hear it like off, like, I don't know, it's like in another room or something. And then they're going to come in and tell you that the cancer's gone and that you don't need to continue your treatments. And I said, but it's not just because the radiation worked, which maybe science wants to say, oh, yes, it is. Um, or maybe they don't, maybe some science people think that if you have a good outlook and a positive attitude and you have beautiful people in your life and all that, that that's part of it too. But he also did the energy treatments that were part of this through the whole five years. I remember cause he, he was, he came here to help with the burning. 
Oh, yeah. He had internal, like, heat, just burning sensations. With and the he radiation? Would come, he would come for um, pain, pain relief. Oh, that's right. So the energy healing, the energy healing that I was doing mm-hmm. was re- was releasing and I'll say releasing the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, somebody might say that's a lovely term for removing <laughs> or a lovely term for getting rid of or, well, you we know, can't claim those things. We're not allowed to as energy healers because, you know, then they sue you or, you know, they compl- make you complaints to your board or whatever. Or only board. Allowed- well, are you my board? <laughs> He chose consciously to hear about a future that was difficult. Um, he asked the right questions, which is so huge um, in, about life. And that when you ask the right questions, sometimes it's hard to know which ones are the right ones, mm-hmm. that you have choices and that he didn't have a choice about everything. Um, the prostate cancer was correct. He, he wasn't able to, to avoid it, um, but he was able to prepare for it and to get healthier, to eat better, to do everything he could that I'll say that modern science can give us in being able to help our bodies with knowledge, but mm-hmm. by foods and exercise. and So everything that you're talking about, um, what I'm hearing is, is his personal responsibility. Yes. And that that's what makes a great client or a great person or a great life. Yeah. And, and just, just, just love him. I just, I like, he's he was he's somebody memorable for me mm-hmm. um in that level of responsibility and and i think about you know some of the ways that he chose to heal was to play with his grandkids to to and i remember him saying you know what are some things i can do to heal in that first session when he was i'll say originally diagnosed mm-hmm. <laughs> um which, which you're also not allowed to say which which your board will also come down on <laughs> We'll talk later. Yes, because your original <laughs> diagnosis is with your physician. And yeah, I totally we can't diagnose. And you know what? I can totally appreciate that. I don't want to diagnose. As no. a medical intuitive, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't ever want that responsibility. Uh, because I think that the MRIs and all of the, the scientific things that our society has told us we need, and for good reasons to, mm-hmm. to some degree, yeah. because it's called solid evidence, if that's what you want to call it, um, even though sometimes people are misdiagnosed. And that there are all the other things that people say, well, yeah, that's not true. I was misdiagnosed. I had a surgery I never should have had. Mm -hmm. They took out an organ that was never supposed to come out of me. Um, Just that we're all human. And that he he just sees his humanness as something he's responsible for. And that he chose different types of healing. I remember at one point him asking me to give him a crystal. And I don't remember why, if the crystal had something to do with the fact that I was guided to give him through, from his spirit world, but that he was to take it with him if, for the radiation treatment, I think. Although he could email us or phone us and tell us I got the story wrong and we will do a, a redo and with more accuracy. Um, but I remember giving him a crystal. I remember him telling it was the funniest thing because it disappeared and it was right on the, right on the table. Mm-hmm. The nurses were, you know, apparently they have to mark certain spots on the body to do the radiation. And um, he put the crystal down and it was gone and he doesn't have any clue how it was gone. Mm-hmm. And he actually would have to let us know the rest of that story because I don't have the memory for it. Yeah. But oh my God, Parker's miserable. <laughs> he probably Sorry. wants to be in on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting it wrong. Yeah. Let me tell anyway, you. I'll let, I'll let go of that one. I, that to me was a, a, a something um, significant for me in sharing with people 
because if they can learn something from that, if they are seeing a medical intuitive or a psychic or a medium or an energy healer, there's so many different things, or even your physician, how open you are to something helps you ask better questions. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of some examples. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll let that go. That was just one of the things that came to me in that experience. Your turn. Oh, okay. Um, well, okay. I'm, I'm just thinking because we, t- we do a lot of questions, right? We, we, our whole day is about asking the right questions so that we mm-hmm. can understand and communicate properly. And I remember um, not too long ago having a very obnoxious woman come in for a session. And she, uh, she laid down on the table, said she was open to everything. It was in a very much of a rush, wanted to rush me through um, talking about what I do. She was to- in a rush, but she's open? She wanted to rush me through the consent process, which I particularly did not appreciate because I do that for the clients, for them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she wanted to just sort of get on with it. She only booked, you know, 45. Well, she didn't even really book. She showed up. Um, anyway, so she she had asked a couple. Uh, she had asked me to just give me everything or give her everything that I got. She didn't have a particular direction she wanted to take the session in. And I said, OK, no problem. Um, which can be frustrating because you can be taken in a million different places, right? We were hearing all kinds of information all at once. Um, so I had started talking about a few things and I checked in with her and I said, do you have any questions at this point? Is there any direction that you would you would like to take it? Um, and she said, well, yeah, am I going to be married? Am I going to be married to my husband forever? And I said, oh, well, I'm hearing no. And I paused to hear the rest of the information mm-hmm. because as you know, and we've talked about this, we play yes, no questions with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And typically before the question is even asked, we hear the yes or the no answer, but then we want to wait for the information that's going to come through to, mm-hmm. um, to confirm, right? So we check to make sure that we're accurate. So I was about to, I was about to do that and she went, okay, well, I want to, uh, why are my children okay? Am I, is my IVF going to work? And I thought... Oh, well, I said to her, I didn't just think it. I said, well, hold on a second. You just asked a really loaded question about your marriage and you didn't let the guides finish talking. Um, I said, you know, do you not want to understand why it's not going to last forever? Or if there are things that you can do along your way to change that so that you can be in a healthy relationship and it can be something that lasts. And she brushed me off and just said, well, no, I know your opinion's already wrong. I'm going to be happily married forever. And there were so many red flags in that <laughs> situation. And I just said, well, okay, first of all, it's not my opinion. Well, how could it be your I opinion? No. And I said, like, I don't give a shit about your life. And I don't mean that to be rude. And that's that's never personal. It's just I have no personal responsibility for what you choose to do when you leave. I have no personal investment in what you choose to do with your life or how you handle all of the messages that come through. My job, what you pay me to do, is simply to listen to the other side and relay messages. I'm, I'm a delivery person of some sort, right? And so um, she goes, oh, no, no, well, I get that. I get that. You're just, you're just wrong. <laughs> and I thought, okay, like it was just so, so disrespectful, not only to my position, but to the other realm. Oh, and to her own soul, because if she's asking this question, you know, she just wanted to be told what she wanted to hear. Uh, There was no regard for what that soul contract was with her husband, if it was actually going to be a healthy thing that one of them leaves the other or that they come to a decision that this isn't love anymore. Um, There was no there was so, so much lack of respect happening 
um, that it was just, it was a treatment that really stuck with me because I had never had someone at that point, um, cut themselves off so abruptly and so arrogantly from the spirit world. But she thinks that she cut you off. Right. She doesn't believe that you're really channeling. She thinks it's you, it's just your own opinion. Right. And which boggles my mind. Why would you go see a stranger Who cares? and ask them for their opinion? It would yeah. be like stopping in the middle of Northgate and asking any stranger if your marriage is going to yeah. last. Oh, and by the way, here's your money. Oh, and I'm going to pay you to tell me. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. And I just remember after she left being really rattled and needing to kind of debrief and come down off of that session because, um, well, we work so hard all day, every day to respect the other realm mm-hmm. and then to equally respect the person in front of us uh, and what they're dealing with and what um, not. And I won't just say like struggling with, but um, what they're trying to wrap their heads around, what mm-hmm. they're trying to emotionally process. Uh, so that was that was an instance of asking a question where people think just because they're asking something, it's the right thing. Just because they're questioning, they're doing good. And it's like, mm, no, <laughs> not if you're giving value to the answer, not if, or sorry, not if you're not giving value to the answer, not if you're not, um, you know, seeking, seeking properly or seeking with integrity, mm-hmm. right? A lot of us ask questions that we already know the answer to. She thought she did. Um, a lot of us ask questions that we don't really care to, to even let them finish. Anyway, that was just kind of a, a poor example of a treatment, but still a learning curve for me. Yeah, and it can be a learning. I do value. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. That's nice to hear. Yeah, of course, because um, it. I think for myself, it teaches me how to talk to clients in a different way too, because uh, you know most of the people that come through here, uh, they do want to listen. They do want to hear what the other realm has to say, whether it's a loved one who's passed away or a guide. Um, and that, that caught me off guard, but it, yeah, it was, it was nice to be able to go, okay, well, this is a different way to speak to someone who is struggling in these, these aspects. Okay. And, uh, you have another example? Yeah. No, sorry, not example, but another treatment that you want yeah, to talk about? Yeah, you know what? It's just coming randomly. Yeah, same. I, I, th- I, I'm thinking of the gentleman that came in the door and he was just going through the kitchen part to go back into the treatment room. Mm-hmm. And he was, so he was just walking a few steps in front of me, gentleman I'd never met in my life before. And just as we were coming around the corner, uh, around the dining room table, I said, so did you have those two affairs yet? <laughs> and he, I don't even know why I blurted that out in the dining room. And he went, what? Like this. And then he, he turned around and looked at me. And I just remembered looking at him somewhat blankly <laughs> and thinking, why did I ask him that? And then he walked into the treatment room and he sat down the t- uh, on the chair and I sat in front of him and I said, oh, I have to apologize. I haven't even asked for consent yet. Just give me a second. I'll go through consent and then we'll ask them what that was all about. So <clears throat> I went through, as you and I do, mm-hmm. at the beginning of a session for consent and, you know, telling them that they have the right to change their mind and all that during the session. And he says, why, why did you ask me if I have had two affairs and you have never met me? And I, and I said, um, not thinking to defend myself, mm-hmm. not thinking that he was attacking me. I didn't feel yeah. attacked. And that says a lot about this curious. man. He was yeah. curious. Not a, and this is interesting because there's a difference between asking a question out of curiosity and attack. Mm-hmm. And I felt his curiosity. And I thought, well, that's a 
good question, and I haven't got a clue what the answer is. <laughs> so I told him that. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I have to ask the spirit world because I haven't got a clue. Is Karen? No idea. So I said to the spirit, spirit guides, I said, uh, why did I ask him that? Why did you guys uh, say that? And they said, well, Karen, he's had two affairs. And um, he doesn't know whether to believe in what you do or not. So we just thought we'd kind of set the tone and get right to the point as to why he's here. He thinks he's here to ask you something else, but he doesn't know how to trust himself anymore because he's done something that goes against who he is on a fundamental level. So he's fragmented a little bit. He's come outside of his own experience of really truly who his spirit is, and now he no longer trusts himself. So we thought that instead of blowing a whole hour, we would just get to the point. Before it started. <laughs> and I said, and it just, just to me just totally illustrates the absolute innocence of this mm-hmm. on my part as Karen Sarlo. But how very much in tune the spirit world and I are that I can release my own fears or my own... Well, it's detachment. Yes. I don't think it's innocence. I think it's detachment. Okay. Right? Okay. And how they simply came through to address his deepest need. And I said, well, I said that they're just simply telling me that you had two affairs and that this is outside of who you are. You can't get over it. You can't forgive yourself and you can't understand why you did this. And somebody might say, you know, I can believe that if he's done it once, but if he's done it twice, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And actually, if he know, if he's done it once, he knows what he's doing. But it was so outside of who he really believed he was and who um, he aspires to be, who he admires in this, this lifetime. And I said, he goes, so, so it's true. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. He says, it's true. I, I've had two affairs. It's kind of in the back of my mind, and I didn't want to bring it up today. He says, but he says, um, I can't seem to kind of like move forward, and I can't get over this. I can't forgive myself. I can't trust myself to actually be with a, a, a person now, and I want to. I'm young. I'm only, you know, 28, and I, if I'm going to live 40 more years, I'd like to spend 40 years with somebody that I love and trust myself, not, and, and, and earn her trust. And, and it, it be valued. And he says, and I don't know what's wrong that I've done this. And I said, okay. So I said to the spirit world, because I don't know why. He goes, why did I do it, Karen? I said, I haven't got a clue. And I said, so let's just ask the spirit world. And they showed me some of his past lives um, where he had had affairs done to him and he could never forgive the person. Mm-hmm. And he could never forgive his spouse for the affairs they had, he couldn't understand it. And because he couldn't understand it, um, there was no ability to forgive or to move on either. And now he was in this lifetime experiencing it for himself, but still not able to understand it or to forgive himself or to move on. And that both people in those relationships can feel the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that taught me so much. That taught me about compassion. That sometimes when somebody has done something that is the, the worst thing possible, well, and I'll say an affair in this case, because that is deep. Mm-hmm. It might not be murder, but it might be equivalent to for some people in that they feel they've, their lives ended mm-hmm. or that they had no purpose after that or they could never move past it. So it is like a death. 
and and I I think or I when the spirit world came through to say that he was experiencing it from both sides to see if he could come to a compl- a, a place of compassion for himself, and that um, that this was in fact his path, and he goes what, and I got all excited for him. I said, oh my God, you're on your path, and he was like, I've had two affairs, and you're like happy for me, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah. I am. I said, because you're on your path, you're actually doing your work. And I think some people think that if they're on their path, that it's easy, and that they would never have an affair, that they would make all kinds of money, that they that there are certain things here that are on that path, you're doing it all right. Yeah, that you must be the one making all kinds of money, you must be and I don't want to throw at anybody's name who people might think are doing it all right. That you know, I'll but I'll say maybe the Pope. But I won't say his name. Really? Well, no, but some people, if you're religious, they might think that's the person that's doing it all right. Or a mother tree. Well, I'm Oprah Winfrey or Obama or thank you. um, I I could throw out a Celine Dion. I could throw out anybody, I I think, to some degree, because even if I throw out maybe the name like uh, Siley Myers, what's her name? Miley Cyrus. Siley Myers. (laughs) Pop culture is not her thing. It's okay. That there yeah. might even be some young girls that think that that do that living her life, being a singer or being famous, no matter what you do to get there, is being on the highest path. That they've got lots of money and fame. People do have different ideas of what being on a path looks like, and I think that if you think that having two affairs is being on someone's path, is is so far off. For this particular person, it's on. It's because he's being challenged. Mm-hmm. It's because he's being asked to grow. It's because it's it's his way of, of facing his own faults, of facing his own challenges, his own fears, his own belief systems um, about being a male and maybe in a past life of having been a female, that only females are victimized. Mm-hmm. And so he comes into a life as a male, perhaps, and is victimized by himself, not just maybe by other men. Yeah. So to me, just for me in that in that treatment, I learned something. So like I'll say, a lot of my favorite treatments don't have to do with success stories. They have to do with learning something, mm-hmm. and uh, or changing a perspective, or challenging me to let go of a belief that I've had, and. Um, uh, being able to get bigger, my, mm-hmm. the, for my energy to expand. Your turn. Oh, okay. Um, I I end up listening, and I don't think I, I end know. up brainstorming. I'm no, I'm I just know. really listening. Well, I you do remember that when it happened. Uh, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just going to say that. Um, I like the ones where. Maybe I've already had some thoughts because of what I've believed in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I believe that if, yeah, that if somebody had an affair, they were in control. They did know what they were doing. They were malicious. They set out to hurt the other person or two people, the person they had the affair with and their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're having an affair, you're hurting all three. Uh, there's, there's no, there's no way around that. You, mm-hmm. you can, rec- you can recover. You can love you can move forward you could even marry the person you have an affair with and love that person i'm saying there is a forward motion here their energy moves but i'm just saying that it just 
takes me outside of some of the things I might have um, thought I thought I knew something about. And, and I, I love that. I love the fact that there's more to know. Mm-hmm. There's always more to know. And one of the things that I'm learning in the, you know, and I hope people are hearing this when we do these treatments in medical intuitive, medium, psychic, past lives, future patterns, soul contracts, remote viewing, that with some of the things that they're hearing that we do is that you and I have had to learn to sit back and ask better questions. Mm-hmm. And that each time as we've asked and learned how to ask or think different questions, that that's when you expand. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not expanding, I just haven't asked the right question. It just means I've got to just f- wait for another one to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't even think. Really? Of a session. No. I'm like, I feel blank. Oh. Okay. There's, there's Parker to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me? You can prompt something or you can continue. I'm um, I'm happy listening. Hmm. I can think of so many. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I thought I don't want to jump in because I thought it was going to be back and forth. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind for me was a session years and years ago for a friend who was a nurse who was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. When I felt she, she didn't know she had cancer. And We've talked about this. Yeah. One of the things that comes through in her session because there were many for her, was how her animals came around. And that I would go to her house and sit on a chair, and she had like a massage chair where she could sit forward, like lean forward, because she was so uncomfortable with pain. And um, she had lung cancer, but I can't remember all the other ones. My mind is escaping her memory again on this one. But she had cats and a dog. And when I would come into the house to do her treatment, they would disperse and go all over the place. But when we got into doing the treatment, I would just sit across from her, not too close, but that each of her pets would come around and sit around us as we were doing her session. And sometimes your eyes are open, sometimes your eyes are closed when you're doing a session, mostly open, but whatever can be either or, or, and sometimes both. I just remember how her her dog and her cats would come and sit and that quite often they would make us like a circle around us of so, like like mm-hmm. around the perimeter of us they didn't come in the circle they didn't come between us but around us and i just i think of the of the how how she encouraged it and how she invited them to love her in her passing and how she embraced these beautiful her family members in the in the animal kingdom to be a part of helping her. I remember one of the things that, that she had said to me one day. Well, it was about time I got cancer. She says, I've had all kinds of cats and dogs die on me of cancer. It's, it's time for me to take responsibility for my own issues mm-hmm. and to deal with my own diseases in my own thought patterns. And the personal responsibility involved in that was pretty incredible to me. Mm-hmm that she had had these beautiful pets cross over who took on her diseases for her and her family and died. And she had buried them. She had put some of them down. Some of them had just died of natural, like I'll say natural causes. 
and she had grieved their loss and this time she was accepting her own issues and she was taking on and understood her cancer was for her to deal with all of her own stuff and that going through this process whether she survived or not because I think I read no I can't remember if originally they told her if it was terminal right off the bat or not but it it wasn't very long I think hey Kelly it was a year a year and a half or something like that um but that she had invited these animals to come in to the healing and loving her and helping her cross over, but that she wasn't no lo- she was no longer allowing them to feel her pain. Mm-hmm. She was no longer allowing them to become sick or to take on the energy of that disease into their own bodies and into their own lives, that she was now going to process it for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have much else to say about that except... The gratitude I feel for that, for learning that and and for being able to experience that energy in being in that room where the animals were there loving her and offering her energy of healing, but not healing in the sense that if they had healed her, she would have got rid of cancer and lived, Mm -hmm. but that they knew that her energy was not to survive this. If she was going to cross over, but the crossing over was going to be her healing. Mm -hmm. The journey of experiencing the cancer the dying process, dying and living, I'll say, all in those steps, was what they were there to be present for this time and that she knew that that actually was now the process. Mm-hmm. She she was a nurse. You heard me say she was a nurse. She was a psychiatric nurse, I think, for like 30 years in different psychiatric hospitals and she had done palliative care. Um, and I, I, it's a story, or it's not a story, pardon me. It's a life experience that... Uh, I appreciate remembering Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that when I'm in a treatment doing something for somebody, whether, you know, long distance or right person right in front of me, that I'm able to say to them, oh, I have your dogs here helping today. Oh, I have. And they look at me and go, what? And it's and I know you do this, Mm -hmm. that, oh, you have two dogs that have crossed over. One's a German Shepherd and one's whatever. And they're here to help you heal. And that sometimes people... Oh, I want to, Oh, can I go to another one? Oh, I want to go to another one. Oh, I just got really excited. Okay. I want to talk about another one because it's kind of, it links. Breathe. Breathe? Oh, okay. Um, I remember a couple coming and asking me if they could help me with their daughter. And I did, I, you know, I say yes, just in the sense that I have no idea because once they get here, the spirit world's going to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Not me. <laughs> so it's not lost on me that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, we have a magnet that says so. <laughs> True enough. I may not know what I'm doing, but I'm damn good at it. Yes. Yeah, and I believe that. Um, I, I actually live by that motto every day. Anyway, they came, and um, their daughter had or has is living with autism. Mm-hmm. And they, through their half-hour booking, for, so they gave me 30 minutes at $60 and it became evident in the very beginning of their session that they had read some articles about somebody in in the United States who said he was doing energy healing and healing autism. Mm -hmm. And so they came and they wanted to know if I could heal their daughter. And I said, when I connected with her spirit, she was talking about how, what her path was with autism and that she could communicate and that they, they were going to learn a different kind of communication And some people, you know, you could say it's love, you could say it's intuitiveness or just, you know, connectedness, loving each other, 
meeting, knowing what each other's needs are without having to say it and all this kind of stuff because she was not very verbal. So they, but they said to me they wanted a 100% recovery of autism. And so I looked at them and I'm thinking, well, I haven't got a clue. I have no, that's definitely not on me. So I said to the spirit world, well, what is, what's on you? <laughs> you guys, got this, here are my good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys willing to offer? It's, it's almost like a bartering or not bartering, but like three-way Medi- commu- like mediating. Yeah. So I looked at them and I said, well, what, what's up with this? And they said, no, they are totally missing the point that this spirit came to them. Mm-hmm. They are totally missing the point that she, the, uh, all the lessons that are going to come and the love and oh, the answers were, the answer was incredible, but they didn't want to hear it. No. I said, you know, the spirit world is telling me there's no, there isn't a 100% cure. And they got up and walked out the door. Oh, good for them. And it was, oh yeah, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm okay with that. I'm relieved. That's heartbreaking though. Yes. And I remember crying. I, I remember crying thinking that they didn't want to get to know her, that they didn't ask me as an intuitive to communicate her with her. Feelings, yeah. They didn't, there were so many other things that I could have done to give them validation about what they were doing so beautifully for her and well. And if they ever wanted to know if they were, as if there was anything they could do that they couldn't seem to communicate well, could I help them? The spirit world was willing to say yes to those things mm-hmm. to help the parents and to grow their own gifts and to grow their own intuitiveness to come through that. But that um, they were missing all of the lessons and the contracts in this life. And so my sadness came from the fact that that they weren't getting it. So when I was thinking about the, uh, the nurse, mm-hmm. you know, whose animals are around her, yeah. loving her, and that she's getting 100% responsibility. And then I'm thinking of this man who's had two affairs who people might think he's the worst scum of the earth. And then I think of parents who have an autistic child and people might put them on a pedestal because life is so hard for them. And I, I, I think I would, I would rather be with the nurse dying or the man who had the affair than the couple who want a 100% cure or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Was, you know, some people might think, well, if you had an autistic child, you might know our, our, our suffering. And it's never... It's not, it's not to discredit that there is suffering involved. It's that's to right. say... It's to talk about soul contracts. It's to talk about your path. Yes. It, you know, and I kind of liken it to if you go to a doctor and the doctors, you know, you have something that's wrong with you and the doctor says, well, you have this and there's not a 100% cure, but there are these three options that can give you this. Mm-hmm. People still listen because they want the other options. Yeah. So, life. Yeah. So if the doctor says you have cancer, it's terminal, then you want to hear, but <laughs> you want to hear, and mm-hmm. I have pain meds and I can help you with end of life mm-hmm. and I can keep you comfortable and there's radiation that can give you five more years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, because this wasn't exactly what they wanted at their 100% mark, that they didn't see anything past that peace. Now, I will say that maybe as life goes on for these people, they will learn. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will engage with their daughter and understand. And it's not to say that they will ever come back to see me. But I hope that their journey for whatever it was in that moment that day of hearing that the spirit world, and this is what I think is beautiful about the spirit world, 
they can say no. Mm-hmm. We have so many parents and systems that say that can't say no anymore. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why people love to come and see you and I. Because when you can't hear the no, sometimes imagine if you go to the doctor and he can't say no. You can't say he can't say you have cancer. Oh, you're sick. You're not going to live long. Um, but I, not, I can't say the cancer word. So I'm going to skirt around it. You gotta, it's not looking good. Um, like there's a, there's a time for, for pointedness. Mm -hmm. There's a time to hear no when it's finally a relief. Mm -hmm. There's time to hear, to, to have that person that's strong enough that who can say no. And I, I, I can think of so many kids who don't have parents that'll ever say no, or that have a teacher that'll never say no, or the teacher that does say no. And then the parents walk in past and bulldoze past the teacher because they don't ever want their kid to hear a no Mm. or married people who won't say no to each other for anything and end up in financial debt yeah and how how value until finally the bank says no (laughs) no no more loan or you know we're not extending your mortgage anymore you have to sell um but that it can be very healthy to see somebody that does what you and i do because the spirit world will say no, and you and I have no qualms about relaying the message. Yeah. So those, I guess we picked, you know, five or six stories today, and somehow maybe self-responsibility was one of the themes. Remember you said at the beginning, do you want to pick a theme? And you said no. And Yeah. <laughs> and I had no clue what the theme could be. Yeah. But, you know, maybe when we, when we put this podcast up to advertise it, so to speak. You're labeling it? Well, whatever. We have to label them, Ran- right? Random self-responsibility. Yeah. And, and maybe some of the, some of the yeah, beautiful know, lessons. Yeah. And, and how, how hard our lessons are. You know, the affairs, cancer, autism, you know, divorce, whatever, child temper tantrum, school kicking kids out. Whatever it is, when you finally, like, where's your line when you finally are going to be able to hear your no and be responsible for your life and teach the people around you that it's healthy to do it too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, is that good for today? Yeah. I for this so. morning? Okay. I need a nap. Oh, yeah, you're looking a little tired. <laughs> My self care. I think your head dropped a couple of times if I saw that correctly. Yeah. I behind apologize. your microphone. It's not personal. <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, we're going to call it a day and request that if anyone would like to send in uh, good questions, uh, you can email us at info at You can also check us out on the web at bysarlo.com. Okay, and uh, uh, maybe the next time I can do the ending because I think I've heard you say it for 26 times and I might be catching on. Yeah, because I think I've had to edit every time you've tried. <laughs> Okay, we'll try on the we'll twenty. We'll get this. We'll try on the twenty seventh. Okay. <laughs>